I was getting ready to speak this morning and I was in my little office in our house today and so I picked up a folder that I could put the message in and there was a message from a year ago that I spoke and it was on the exact same topic. <laughs> so I just figured I threw out the new one, we'll do it again. No, I'm just kidding. Well, what I was speaking on a year ago was faith and then what I really have felt for months is that if there was a chance to share with you guys to talk about faith again, and as I read through the, few, the messages together now, this is still good and it'll be great. Um, faith is a really big deal to God, if you've picked up on it. You know, Old Testament, it's a really big deal. Abraham's a really, really big guy in that story. And why? Because of his faith, you know. It is great in the Bible when you're faithful and obedient it's really not good for you when you're faithless and disobedient. Like, it's the way the story keeps going, you know? Um, they enter the promised land by faithfulness. They lose the promised land by lack of faith. So the whole story is going that direction. And then, of course, Jesus shows up. And Jesus is a really nice guy. I mean, he's a really passionate, nice guy. But the thing he gets very upset about over and over again, ye of little faith. Or, I mean, he really is pretty tough on people about faith, so it matters to him. And of course, it matters to the disciples, and it's mattered over the last 2,000 years. But here's what I would say to you is it really matters in your marriage whether your spouse is faithful, doesn't it? You know, It really matters when you're a business leader and God's told you to step out into something, whether you have faith for it or your faith starts to crumble. It really matters when you're a friend to somebody and you've gotten hurt of whether you'll be faith-filled or not. And the other thing that's a little difficult is faith. It's not easy, you know? If you make it just this liquid, nebulous thing, faith, that's pretty easy. But when you really have to have faith in a moment, it is about the hardest thing in the world. So why is God pushing faith so much? Why is it so important to him? I think we're just gonna go through it today. And I'm I'm going to tell you two sad stories, and Kathy almost didn't want me to tell the first story. It's a very sad story. It just happened this last May. But then I'm going to tell you another sad story, which is much more personal to us, but then I'm going to tell you great news, okay? So just hang with me in the sad stories. So you guys will remember this, but my first story is that at 8 a.m. on June 18th, 2023, a 21-foot sealed craft named Titan submerged beneath the ocean's surface with five people on board and 96 hours of oxygen that they had. The ship's deep sea mission was to go down and explore the wreckage of the Titanic, and now you're starting to remember this story. And uh, they, they really were in the Atlantic Ocean right off of Newfoundland, Canada. 105 minutes in, the submarine stopped communicating with its mothership. Uh, at 5.40 p.m. Eastern Time, the United States Coast Guard received a report of an overdue submersible. Over the hours that followed, the U.S. Coast Guard conducted an extensive search and rescue operation, hoping to make contact with the submarine before the 96 hours was up. And there were periods of time during those days where there were reports, and this is all unconfirmed, of hearing scratching and banging. They could hear something, but they just couldn't find them. They just couldn't get to them. And then you guys know pretty well that five days later it would be confirmed that the submarine suffered a catastrophic implosion and all, all five people were confirmed to be dead. Uh, so the story gripped the world 
as the searchers were working against time to find and rescue these people who were cut off from communicating their location, where they were cut off from communicating with those that could have brought them life. And without the ability to connect with those who could save them, the whole world, we all watched as time ran out. So I wanna use this story a little bit to just uh, bring up the next slide. Just that disconnection from God leads to death. That's the truth. Just like for those guys, disconnection with oxygen, disconnection with communication, disconnection with being able to get back to the surface, it led to death. It's our same story that disconnection from God leads to death. And so this is a foundational piece to understanding why faith matters so much. And so let's go into our second story. Let's go back to our own launch back in the garden. So this is kind of interesting and I'm gonna be a little philosophical here and don't, don't, don't get lost or don't let me lose you is what would happen. We were created in the beginning by God picking up dust and speaking into it. So when we sing the song, it's your breath in our lungs, it was really his breath speaking into matter that was the, the way a theologian would say it, a vivifying source. It was a, it is our life. You were made by his words for his words. You were made by his voice for his voice. You were made to be so dependent on him that his breath, his intimacy, his speaking to you, his eternal word would always be up within you. And without it, you're dead. Without it, you're dead. You guys, you know the verse in John 1, 1 through 4, and we'll put it up. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And of course, this is Jesus. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So again, the big statement is that you and I were made by his voice, his breath, for his voice, and his breath. Um, it's the most relational piece. You know, Kathy and I don't talk a lot. Kathy was sick this last week, and we were in the same room, but she, she wasn't talking that much. And then she said yesterday, I just don't feel like talking that much. My heart fell. Because it's the conversation of a couple that brings life to a relationship, but it's much more so that with the Lord. You were made by his voice, for his voice. All things are sustained by his powerful word. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, and he says this, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. You might think that you live by oxygen, by water, and by food. We even today talk about how much we need human connection to live. But the truth is, is above all of these, you actually live by his breath. You live by his voice. You live without, with his words, and without those things, you die. It's just totally true. So when Satan decides to attack us, in the garden, guess what he goes after? He doesn't contaminate their water supply. He doesn't poison their food. He fights to disconnect us from God's voice, from hearing and believing what God is saying to them. And so God had said, you guys know the story, you can do anything, just don't eat of this one tree or you'll die. And so of course the enemy shows up and he just speaks a single lie. You'll surely not die. And so here is a couple who their entire existence has been living in connection on the Father's voice, on God's speaking. And in this exact moment that they turn away, 
They turn away from God's voice to another voice, from God's breath to another voice. And this turning away we call sin, and the impact is catastrophic. It's worse than the Titan story. Now, Kathy, I think, thought that that story was the real downer. This one's a real downer. The good news with God is that he immediately launches a rescue, which is wonderful. For all of us, I would just make this statement to you. If you want to understand why faith is so important to God, you have to understand how important his words, intimacy, his breath, his spirit, his presence are to you. You were made for it. You were made for it. Sometimes we can think that we're made to come to church. You're not. (laughs) You're made for a relationship with the Lord. Now, to get to be with a group of people in a relationship with the Lord, in a place where you will grow in faith, yes, you're made for that, and we call that church. But you want to be really, really careful not to cut out the reality of why we're here. We are actually a church to grow in faith, to learn to be close to him. That's what we all need. When we read in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, you could say it this way, all of our submarines have lost all connection to the mothership and lie lost and dying without any ability to connect with their rescuer. That's what happened in the fall. We were just, just like that ship. We, we were dead in the water until he comes for us. Roger Hyatt in January, we do a fast every January as a church and it's coming up, so get ready. Enjoy Thanksgiving and enjoy Christmas. Every once in a while, James starts talking about starting the fast on Thanksgiving and people get upset. But Roger was sitting in one of the meetings and he just kind of prophetically started to talk about that God's love is relentless. And that's the really great part is in alone in our sorrow and dead in our sin, God immediately starts coming towards us. And, uh, and you got to think about it. Um, when we pulled away for that first moment from hearing God's voice, we did die. We died spiritually. Your body is here. You also have a soul inside you, but you also have a spirit. And God is spirit, scripture says. So spirit is the place that, is, that you connect with the Lord. So Adam and Eve, when they die spiritually, the part that connects with the Lord dies. And now it's almost like a ship or a submarine who your transmitter is broken. And here you are totally in need of connection and yet without the equipment you need to connect. And this is why faith becomes such a big deal. From Genesis on, your Bible is the story of God moved by his eternal love for each of us, launching our rescue to cross the chasm of our brokenness, our blindness, our spiritual death, to communicate to us and bring us back to life. When scripture talks about there being a veil over people's hearts, that's what it's talking about. That part of them that can connect so easily, it's not there. They need a miracle. Um, Francis Chan says if you were going to go evangelize, um, you got to think about who you should bring. So he said, think of it this way. They're spiritually dead. If you're going to go to the graveyard, that's your mission. You're going to go to the graveyard. You're just going to raise one person from the grave, just one. Who would you bring? The best singer? You know, like if you're going to go and somehow connect with somebody to see them come back to life, what would it take? And that's the crazy part about the Old Testament is here is a spiritually dead group of people that God has to somehow show up and connect with where they see him. So here we go. The next one, faith is how God rescues us, reconnecting us to him. 
to rescue us, to reconnect us to his voice. We read how God finds ways across the pages of scripture to speak his words again into our hearts. And you, you know the story of Adam and Eve, of Enoch, of Noah, of Abraham and Sarah, of Moses, Samuel, David, and many others. And for each one, God is showing up in their lives, trying to get them to just believe, just to step. It's interesting, here's an invisible God connecting with a human on earth, trying to get some bit of his word or his life extended to them, where if they'll believe it, their spirits will come alive again and they'll be born again. That's the first way that God saves us by faith. When you believe, and maybe you've never believed before, but when you sit in your life, facing your troubles, facing what the world says will save you and help you, and none of it's working for you, and somehow you begin to perceive that God is doing something, that he might be real. Maybe you begin to hear something. It could be a scripture. It could be something somebody says. It could be the way they incarnate his life. But when you perceive that just a little bit and you believe it, that is where your heart comes alive again, your spirit comes alive again, and now you're, you're, you're on the right track. So first of all, we are saved by faith. Here's Romans 10, 5 through 13. Moses writes, Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? This is what it says. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. A scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is, the, is Lord of all and richly blesses, blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We care so much about faith, and God cares so much of, about faith because that's how you're saved. You probably each remember your story. I remember my story. I was a 16-year-old kid that wasn't too good at anything. Life wasn't going great, and then gradually everything failed. I, I, my family was hurting. I was hurting. I even destroyed my body. I was taking a, a drug that exploded me into being kind of an elephant man-like person. And I'm, I'm really interested as I think of the story, which part was God in? You know, was God in what happens next that I'm about to tell you, or was God in showing up and showing me, Jamie, girls aren't going to help you? And actually, Jamie, in this moment, your family can't help you. He was probably in all of it. And that's really interesting. God doesn't just speak with words. He speaks with everything. The heavens declare his righteousness. So he's after me. I'm finally beaten down into the back bedroom of my grandparents' house. I'm on my bed. I desperately want to kill myself because I want the pain to stop. And I'm an atheist, but I say, God, I don't believe in you, and I don't like the idea of you, but you're the only thing right now that could save me tonight, which is a crazy thing for me to say. It's so crazy. And so the, the great thing about the Lord is he just put me to sleep that night. Um, I was just like, I can't deal with you tonight. No, he's just like, he, he slowed me. And then the next morning, I walk into an Algebra two trigonometry test that I for sure should have failed. I later went on to fail many of those tests. Um, but in that moment, the presence of God, the manifest presence of God fills this test room in Arizona. 
And I started giggling. Like, I knew it was him. I knew it was real. And I walked out onto the campus after I aced the test, a miracle by any person's measurement. And I just said, I don't know who you are, but I know you're real. So here I am, a dead submarine at the bottom of the ocean. And somehow, in all of these crazy ways, he docks with my ship. And the top opens, and he comes in, and I come to life. So the first thing to think about faith is faith is what saves us. Faith is what rescues us. Faith is what reconnects us to the one that we've disconnected from. And I know that for some of you, you would say, no, I get it, I get it, that's great, Um, I'm already saved. But I would just say to you, that experience of really receiving that gets deeper and deeper all the time. So hold on to that. But I would say to you, some of you guys are here and that has not happened to you. And I would just say today is gonna to be a wonderful day for that to happen. There's a second part about how he saves you, which is he doesn't just bring your spirit to life, but he also, by faith, he credits to you his righteousness, which what that means is by you believing It's no longer about you doing good things. It's no longer about you fulfilling the law. He just sets you in Christ at the right hand of the Father and he responds to you as if you're clean. And that's a miracle. Let's read read that verse. That's in Romans 4, 18 through 25. And he's just set up in verse three. So what does scripture say? But Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness just means a right relationship with God. So Abraham believed, and God not only opens up his submarine and brings him back to life and connection, but he brings him back into a right relationship where he gets in on everything that it means to be a part of the family. So we pick it back up in Romans 4, 18 through 25, and Paul says, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened by his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So the second part of the rescue is that by simply believing you are credited with righteousness and you're reestablished into a full access relationship with God. That's a miracle. You know, this is a big deal. A lot of my time and a lot of Kathy's time is we're meeting with couples and meeting with people across the week. And uh, of course, meeting with young people has always been a part of our lives. But I think you watch people who have this experience where they meet him in the beginning and they're saved, but then you watch the enemy just attack them and go after them and accuse them. And you watch them forget this piece. You know, you're saved by faith. You just have to believe it and receive it. But you watch them starting to hurt and starting to wrestle and starting to try to prove it again. Or you'll watch people disconnected again by shame. And you have to say to them, no, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Come on back. So number one, you're saved you're by being born again by faith. But number two, faith establishes you back into a right relationship with God. And you don't ever want to give that up. The essence of the book of Ephesians is that you are now seated with him at the right hand of the Father. You're walking across the earth that way. 
And now stand against the enemy as he, as he attacks you if he does. All right. That's how you're saved. That's how it starts. But this is a great part is that's not where it ends. God cares about faith, not just because that's how you're saved, but also this next point, which is that faith is how our relationship with God grows. So now this is for all of us. This is for every single one of us. It's not just about are you saved. It's really about what's happening today in your life. Faith is relational. And the way that relationship works is that we see somebody and we decide whether they seem worth knowing and then we start to interact with them. And every time you interact with them, it either goes well or it doesn't go so well. And then finally, over time, you start to really become friends and relationship builds that way. Um, if you have an interaction with somebody that really goes poorly, you might not call them again. You know, you might not spend time with them. And so faith with God, he starts to take you on a relationship building quest. And every single day of your life is dealing with, will you come closer to me? And the key word here to think about is the word trust. In every single thing that's happening, he's inviting you to trust him more. I love the story of Peter, and you know, you guys, we all do, because Peter has some significant stumbles around trusting God for sure. Peter begins where his brother brings him. You know, so first of all, that, that takes some trust, you know. Um, first of all, they, maybe they were really good brothers to each other, but um, sometimes siblings, you know, there's rivalry and stuff like that. But so Peter shows up, and then you encounter in that story in Luke 5 that we're not going to go to, you have that moment where the guys have been fishing all night and it's not gone well for them. And so Jesus shows up and he starts saying to him, hey, like cast out the nets again. That's a crazy moment where Jesus is saying something. And remember the verse in Romans, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Faith is where God speaks something. Now what are you going to do with it? Will you believe it? Will you trust it? Will you step into it? So Peter does it. He does it begrudgingly. He says a bunch of stuff. Well, he says, you know, he whispers to himself, I think, I'm the fisherman here, you're a teacher, but uh, I've been fishing all night, but I'll do it, you know. And he does it. And of course, what happens is the miraculous catch of fish. It's probably a real faith builder, you know. If you're wondering whether Jesus can be counted on, if you can listen to what he says, that moment had to be a pretty big deal in their relationship, right? That's the way that faith grows, and it happens for all of us, and it never stops. Your life today has been set up by God. He's been working on it for centuries, for millennium, to set this day up to be a perfect gymnasium to see if you're going to trust him a little bit more. He's just pulling you to see if you're going to take one step further. And so not only does Peter get pretty excited and launch the nets, but then he, he gets so excited and trusts him so much, his faith grows so much, he leaves the boats and leaves behind his father's business to follow Jesus. That's the nature of faith. Here's the interesting part. You never stop living by faith. The just shall live by faith. Derek Prince used to say that means you'll eat by faith, drink by faith, um, love your wife or husband by faith. It's all by faith. You could, saved now as a submarine, go back to just sitting on the bottom, not listening to the mothership. But no, if, if you're doing well, you're going to learn how to grow closer and closer and closer to him. And the Lord's really good at relationships. So in the very beginning, he's going to say something to you smaller 
And there's going to be a lot of honeymoon-like tingling around it where he makes it easy for you. But then step by step, if you ever wonder, why is he leading me into difficult things? He's giving you an opportunity for your faith to grow. Have you been around people with deep faith? You know, we talk a lot about being people of his presence, but guess how you become a people or a person of his presence? By being a person of faith. Faith is your connecting point to the Lord. And faith grows. And as faith grows, it gets pretty exciting. Um, we're going to go into the, this story that's a great one in Matthew 14. And we're getting, getting close to the end. Matthew 14, 22 through 31. That's Peter again. And we read, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out. They, they said and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it's I, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, this is a guy living by faith, in a faith relationship, ready. And that's great. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have some trouble in the middle of the way it all executes. And so what happens next is immediately Jesus reaches out his hand to them. Well, Peter, I'm sorry, Peter says, uh, Jesus says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? That's the crazy thing. And that actually all of a sudden turns a church from being a group of consumers into being a group of disciples when you realize you're never done growing in faith like this. And the Lord is really good at this. And he is really discipling you until the day you die into a deeper and deeper walk of faith. And so if you want to help a basketball player learn basketball, you're going to back off him and just give him a ball and let him bounce it, right? But if you want him to start to play competitively, you're going to take a step closer to him and start to guard him and cause him trouble. But now if you want him to go play in high school, you're going to have to put a bigger guy in front of him. And then if you want him to play in college or the pros, you're going to have to keep giving him that kind of resistance. The Lord is the best person in the history of the world at developmental relationships. He knows how to keep you getting stronger. He is better than your gym trainer. He is better than your kindergarten teacher or your college professor. He knows how to work faith into you, and he is relentless because he loves you. What the Lord gets out of you when you grow in faith is he gets more of you. And what the Lord gives you is more of him. Faith is the connecting point between the submarine and the mothership. That's the, that's the whole point of that story. The more that you grow in faith, the more your life starts to just be different. Um, without faith... You walk into a situation and you see the way it is, you see the circumstances, but you also hear the enemy snickering and telling you that it's, it's you and things are going to go poorly. And without faith, you start to respond to that information. But in the middle of the storm, God speaks. In the middle of it all, God says something. And you step out away from every single thing that any common sense person would ever respond to. And you start to go a different direction. Instead of crawling and slithering, you start flying in that moment by faith. You know, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Finney that said, if you will be a person of faith 
or of spirit, you'll be considered eccentric. Because everybody else in the room is hearing the same data. They're seeing the problems. They're seeing the struggle. But you're hearing another voice saying another thing. And you start to do something nobody else would do. And your life has changed. I met Jesus in Jim Newsom's church. Some of you guys know Jim's church was filled with convicts uh, and my family. We weren't convicts yet. Uh, just kidding. But uh, when I met Jesus, my face was covered in scar tissue. And of course, I wanted to be married one day, so I didn't think it was that neat. But I had these nodules of scar tissue all across here. And one day, Jim spoke on the verse, um, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, move away. Which is really cool about faith. Faith isn't based on your power or even your ability to receive it. It is based, based on the power of God and his word. But you know, if you are living without faith in something, you are trusting in your own strength and you have that much strength to tackle what you're facing. But if you are stepping out in faith, guess whose strength you're resting on? You're resting on his strength. There's power in faith. So little me, little 140 pound uh, me, I just put my hand on that nodule sitting on the front seat after everybody started to get up and I just said, Jesus, you can move mountains, you could move this, would you heal me? And he did, he did, he, he healed it. Well, guess, guess how faith works? Well, guess how relationships work? That built trust for me. So the next time he said to do something a little crazier, I was ready to do it. And that's how faith works. It's progressing. You're stepping into it. Do you have moments where you lose faith and your heart's down and you're struggling and you kind of go back to a lower level of faith? You do, but that is why we exist as the body of Christ. It's to pick somebody up and say, don't, don't go back. Does the Lord get mad at you when you're faithless? Ah, here's the thing. He died for you, so it's not the same deal. I think he just gets like, there's so much you're leaving on the table. We could be having so much fun here. You're worried about your boss. I've got your boss right where I want him, you know. You're the head, not the tail, you know. Faith is electric. We always say to people we're pastoring, the Lord's not having a bad day, you know. You guys have heard that story, but I walked into my pastor's office, a guy named John Stanko, who even at one point made Donna cry when she was in his youth group. So think about this guy. It's like the David Letterman of the kingdom of God. And um, I walked into his office and I started to tell him everything I was facing. And he looked at me, he was like six something, he's tall. He said, uh, can I come around there and sit with you? And I said, well, sure. And so he comes over there and he just puts his big, he's kind of a Ukrainian background. He just buries his cheeks and his hands and he starts blubbering. He's faking it, but he's acting like he's crying. And he's like, oh my God, what does it mean? He said, God's not on the throne anymore. It's all over. Ah, thank goodness you came and told me. We're doomed. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. I went back the next week and my heart was filled with faith. And I said, this happened and this happened, this happened. He got up on his desk and he starts jumping up and down. He's like, he's back, he's back, he's back on the throne. That's what it is to be faithful. There are going to be moments where being faithful just means that you hold on in your marriage when it's hurting. But it's also, there's going to be moments in faith where when you're hurting in marriage, you'll reach out to the Lord and say, we need answers. Or you'll call the elders. Or you'll seek that you too will be discipled or pastored by somebody who can help you. Faith will lead you into the kingdom. Of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Guess how that happens? By you having faith and listening to him and obeying him. I really had a whole part of the message, but we just don't have time for it about faith 
lends or leads towards promises, and all your promises are yes and amen, God can't stop making big promises. But it's really hard to tell the difference between a promise or a command or truth. Like they're all kind of wrapped together. A lot of days of your life, the Lord's gonna come to you and say, do you still believe what I did on the cross? And honestly, you're gonna have to believe it. There are other days where you're gonna say, do you believe what I did in the resurrection? You're gonna have to believe it. The other day, he's gonna say, do you believe I can do what I did in you with this guy right here who's giving you a lot of trouble right now? Ha! And there are gonna be times where it's gonna be your own children. But faith is what saves us, and faith is what grows, and faith is what will sustain you. Over time, faith starts to manifest itself in deep conviction and deep confidence. It's just very interesting. There's a period of time where after a while, you just know who he is. And when trouble comes on you, you don't buckle. You just turn and say, I know who he is. And that conviction is like a still rod up your spine and you won't, you won't back down. It's like David's mighty men standing in the midst of a field, swinging away, saying, you will not take this field. That is where you see leaders grow. And it's pretty exciting. Last points here is that the enemy's main target is your faith. He's not stopped his tactic. It's actually the only thing he can really get, get at you about because you're actually seated at the right hand of the Father. That's a good promise. You can live that way. But the enemy will go after you in a bunch of different ways. One way he'll try to get you is just to pull you away um, to other voices, the world's voices, to religion, to duty, to other things. You'll get caught up in what people think of you. You'll get caught up in what the rest of the world's saying. You'll get caught up in any other voice. And when the enemy has got, gotten you connected to that voice, you're not hearing what God is saying to you. What God's saying to you is explosive and, and will lead you into deep growth. What the enemy is saying to you is dead and won't get you very far at all. But that's a really interesting question for you this morning is, Lord, where are we listening to voices that aren't yours, you know? I know it is easy to believe that the Lord would only do nice things to you all the time. And it's true. But he does crazy nice things to you to build faith, which sometimes makes it look like he's not being nice to you at all. <laughs> but he is. Because it's better for you to grow in faith than just to be a sissy. You can quote me. It's a good bumper, stock, bumper sticker, right? <laughs> Okay, number two. So first of all, he's going to try to send another voices. Number two is you can get drawn back into your own thoughts. You just start to get caught up in your thought life. You're not praying. You're talking to yourself. And by the way, the enemy's main place where he speaks to you is in your thought life. So thinking a heck of a lot like that is really just praying to yourself. And it doesn't work very well. And it's not going to help you. So be very, very careful if you're going to go ahead and say it, don't say it to yourself. Say it to him. Pray without ceasing more than thinking without ceasing. And I specifically said that to you guys as young people. It's a big deal. You guys know the story. Jesus said that one of the things that would pull away faith would be the cares of this world. So obviously that's going to be the way it is. And for so many of us, we're kind of caught up in a group of objectives that are not the Lord's for you. You know, you're trying to keep up with this guy or do this or make your parents happy or or have a Lexus, but those cares of this world, they'll pull you back. And you're, you just start listening to a flow of things that are not him. And there are also things that will diminish his voice. Uh, you guys know in Ephesians 5, the fiery darts of the enemy. The enemy will just say things to you. What about this? What about that? Oh yeah, it works for all those guys, but what about your past? Or what about this thing you're facing? Or what about your child? Or what about your struggle? When those fiery darts come, Guess what you're supposed to lift up? 
It's the shield of, oh, faith. That's right, faith. And you know what you do? Our, our, uh, Sue Grant has been a key leader in our life for so long. She said, when the enemy starts to say, what about, and what about, what about, you just say, so what? It's really the perfect answer for the enemy. Do not get into talking with him. Like, don't, don't, he makes you feel like it's going to be such an intelligent conversation. But don't do it. Just say, so what? And turn back to the Lord. Finally, uh, we begin to see God as smaller and our faith begins to shrink if you do any of these. Um, you know, one thing I would just say to you is don't get caught up in a generic faith. Uh, generic faith is where it's all the things God's already said to you, but you're not sitting on the edge of your seat to what he'll say to you today. Uh, be very, I mean, granted, keep going with what he's already said to you. That all counts, doesn't it? But be very, very persistent in pushing for a relationship with him that's daily and active and alive. Uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to believe that he exists but that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. Go after him. You know, for you as a father or you as a man, don't be lethargic and don't just be kind of cruising along at a low speed. Wake up early. Go after it. Find the Lord. Get a hold of what he's saying to you. Do you know what that does for your spouse? But do you know what that does for your children? You know? A lot of times we're so concerned that our young people are being pulled away into the world because it's so dynamic, but they're actually being pulled away from us because they're not seeing enough dynamism in our faith. So live vibrantly. Show them Jesus. Don't show them just your version of what it was and you're just hanging on because 20 years ago something happened to you. Grow, grow, grow. You know what's great about evangelism? You're really just showing up to somebody else saying, hey, I hope you grow in faith. I'm trying to grow in faith too. Because it's never really over. We're growing in faith. Faith is our connection to him. I could say a whole bunch of stuff about faith is your gateway into life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, what Jesus really has for you is this. It says in 1 John, those who claim to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Jesus said you would do greater things than me. And guess how you do that? It's not by just saying, I'm gonna do greater things than him. That, that's not faith. That's, that's make-believe. But it's where you're in a situation. Watch many says, when you get in a situation where there's sickness, but you know it can't be God's will, then you can submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he must flee. There will be a moment where you just say, this cannot happen. This should not happen. And you'll turn and you'll pray, and it'll get better. Um, we canceled our insurance when we got ready to go as missionaries. It was a year ahead. And it would have been really expensive to get insurance, uh, for this church would have done it for us, but it was just expensive. And the Lord said to me, you're gonna have to trust my life without insurance. In about a year, you might as well start now. So I said, please say these same things to Kathy because I think she will kill me. And so he did, and she was very great. The first day, I mean, Friday, our insurance ends. Saturday, the kids are running through the house, throw in the door behind them so the other one can't get it, catch them or tag them. And the door goes back and hits Nina's fingers and three of them are just broken this way, like... And I thought, she's screaming, and, and I, we're hurting, and I also just thought, that's probably ten dollars or $20,000 like, that we're going to go into debt as we head to the mission field. And I thought of what Watchman Nee said, there will come a time where it can't be the Lord's will, and I just said, Lord, you've called us to this, you're going to have to help us, and bam, um, her, her fingers were healed, we didn't go to the doctor. The Lord is not having a bad day. He is very strong. 
He understands work dynamics. He understands corporate histrionics. He understands children. He understands what it takes to draw young people in our houses into faith. He understands our neighbors. Our friend Dow Robbins said, said, you have no, no idea how much trouble God goes to to decide who your neighbors are gonna be. Like, he's designed the whole thing. He is after us. One day I was going to speak at the youth group in Mobile. I was coming through um, as we were in Costa Rica and God spoke to me as I was in a drive-through to speak on the kingdom of God. I'd never spoken on it. And so I got ready to speak that night and I stood out there. It was a full crowd, this great crowd. And I could say nothing. Like all of a sudden, I was so confused. My words wouldn't come out right. I couldn't even say a single sentence. I couldn't figure it out. On, on about the third row back, there was a, a blonde kid who was obviously manifesting a demon. But I just thought that's interesting and I just kept struggling and I couldn't get any clarity. And so finally I just thought, I've got to end this. This is humiliating for everyone. I thought, I'm going to try to say two sentences that make sense and then we'll do an altar call. So I really just tried to get five words together and then five words together and we stopped. Well, the whole crowd came for the altar call, which I think they would have come, you know, I think if a donkey had gotten up there, they would have been, yes, let's go pet the donkey. They were ready. It's a hungry crowd. But so we prayed for everybody. It was actually a very beautiful night. It just shows you it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the Lord. And faith sometimes, by the way, is being in a situation where you know everything rests on this moment and it appears that it's going horribly. The Lord's chosen to do it that way. And you're like, oh man, I've been up here when that happens. Um, but uh, so this day, uh, the Lord moves. And afterwards, we're all sitting with the leaders. I remember Anna Curry was there and we just said, that was crazy, wasn't it? And that blonde kid walks in and he's manifesting. He's saying, Jamie! And so we cast the demons out of him and the demon was a spirit of confusion. And here's the interesting thing. Why was I struggling to put words to, together? I was facing and touching a spirit of confusion. But my faith was so low, I instantly started navel-gazing and thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Where if my faith had just been a little higher, I would have reached out in the office and said, in Jesus' name, we command you to come out of this young man. You know, the crazy part is this is the faith journey for all of us. These moments were kind of slightly humbling, right? It breaks you. A year later, we were driving in camp to a, a outreach and there was a blonde kid sitting next to me and I said, hey, how'd you get here? You're a really great leader this year. And he said, you don't remember that you prayed for me last year in that group? I was delivered from a spirit of confusion and he's been a great leader. It doesn't depend on us. It depends on him. But our connection is through faith. We have to grow in faith. We have to help each other's faith. Paul said, I wish that I could come to you that your faith would be made complete. Our game is faith. <laughs> it's all about faith. And it's grace that saves us. Faith as small as a mustard seed is gonna be what's important. Today, for some of you, you've never believed in Jesus. And you've sat in this room and you've sat in rooms like it and you've wanted to connect with the Lord. And I would just say to you, faith is an absolute leaning out into what Jesus has done and his goodness. You don't have to worry about where you've come from. You don't have to worry about what has happened to you or what you've done yourself. All you really have to do is just believe right now. Just believe that he loves you. Believe that he's the rescuer, not you. You don't have to rescue yourself. He's here. And so for some of you, we're gonna have the worship team come up now but as for some of you, there's gonna be an opportunity to respond that way and we'll have leaders up here that will pray. There are also a lot of us 
that your faith struggles sometimes. You know, it talks about when you, you turn away from the mirror and you forget your own faith. There's moments where the waves get high enough and the wind gets high enough and you start getting wet and start sinking. And you're really, really struggling to just trust in God's finished, accomplished work on the cross for you. That we are more than conquerors. Uh, that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And it could be that you're facing something very significant, but for you, being able to stand, it's hard right now. And as we minister today, and as there are people up here to pray for you, I really would ask you to come up and let somebody pray for you. In the middle of it, God's gonna say something to you, and you're just gonna have to step out into it, but he'll be gracious to you. There's a lot of us that are leaving a lot on the table. Uh, can you imagine if we as a congregation started to live in the power that's been extended to us? It would change some things. It would be like a, uh, I don't, it would be like a huge splash of water across your neighborhood. Um, it would change your career. It would change your life. It would tr change the trajectory of what you've given yourself to. It could change how you relate to your children. So I would just say there's a lot of us that there's a chance for us to go deeper in faith. And you can say really cool things with the Lord, like, Lord, I believe, help me in my unbelief. And he's very good, you know. Um, and then finally, we have a group in this church that you are veteran believers. You've been doing this for 50 years or 40 years or 30 years. And I really believe that the Lord would say to you that it's just not over. Like, it's not over. You know, I know sometimes you guys are so caring for us that you act as if your job is just to like close it out well and take care of us as we live in our faith journey. But we know that's not the way the Lord does it. First of all, the Bible's filled with these guys who thought they were way too old to do great things and look what happened. But if you're an older believer where it feels like, it feels as if you're not stepping into the fresh invitation of the Lord into his promises, I think there's an opportunity to pray for you today as well. Let me pray and these guys are gonna these guys are going to play a song. We'll sing it. And as we're singing it, the guys will come up to, um, to begin praying for you guys so you can start responding while we're singing. As we finish the song, I'll get up and release people who you're ready to kind of go on with your day. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for saving us. Thank you so much that you didn't leave us at the bottom of the ocean. Thank you so much, Lord, that you didn't take it personally that we really were rejecting your voice and disobeying you. Uh, we ask your forgiveness for that, but honestly, Lord, we ask your forgiveness for all the ways that you're extending faith to us, you're extending your invitation to us and where we're not hearing it. So we just turn to you and we say, we wanna hear you. We want to sense your leaning toward us. We want to sense your invitation of us. And Lord, we will just confess to you, we believe help us in our unbelief. So I pray, Lord, for each person here today that your Holy Spirit would penetrate their hearts and draw them to you. Draw their hearts to you right now. Thank you, Lord, that blessed are those whose transgression is forgiven. This isn't about us trying to impress you or do good for you. It's about us receiving you and receiving what you're saying to us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll break through in our hearts and draw us to you in a step of faith. Lord, I pray as a congregation that we'll be a group of people that helps each other grow in faith. 
And we pray, Lord, that many, many people will come to faith and that many more will come deeper into faith because of us getting to be together. In Jesus' name.